Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Here's what's coming up next on the Liverboat Sailing Podcast. Um, we've had a, a wide variety of cruising grounds since we went north and explored such a different area before heading south to more tropical warm waters. It's been really interesting to experience such a different range of cruising, different weather, different water, wildlife cultures, languages, um, all sorts of stuff. Different government rules and regulations, learning how to check in and out of a country on our own boat, tons of new learning experiences, and we've made tons of memories along the way. This week, we're trying something different, with the main difference being that you won't hear me in this episode apart from this intro and again at the end of the episode. I asked previous guests Jack and Sonia from To The Horizon to send us a bit of a real-life update as they approach their one-year anniversary of being on the move. In their first year of cruising, they left California, went out to Canada, and then south to Mexico on their Passport 42. In the first episode I did a while back with Sonia and Jack, you learned that they had lived aboard in the San Francisco Bay Area for many years and also operated their own boat detailing business. In this episode, Sonia and Jack flow freely from one topic to another as they look back at their first year of cruising. They talk about some of the surprises they found out about Mexico, they share some really good tips on boat maintenance while on the go. And there's also a fantastic deep dive into the use of social media and how that might actually be a bit of a hindrance. And the episode ends with a really big change and upgrade they're planning for. So this episode has a lot going on. Here we go with Sonia and Jack from To The Horizon. 
So we're Jack and Sonia. We were on the podcast back in October of 2021. It seems like it was yesterday, but that's a really long time ago. We left San Francisco Bay in April to start full-time cruising. We headed north and circumnavigated Vancouver Island and checked out that beautiful scenery. Um, Then we came back to San Francisco for September, finished up a super quick month of client work, and now we are in Mexico. We've been in Mexico since November, so we're coming up on our six months of Mexico cruising. And then that will make one year in April that we've been off the dock. So we have been trying to think of kind of like some of the main points of our takeaways from the last almost year of cruising. Um, we've had a, a wide variety of cruising grounds since we went north and explored such a different area before heading south to more tropical warm waters. It's been really interesting to experience such a different range of cruising, different weather, different water, wildlife, cultures, languages, um, all sorts of stuff. Different government rules and regulations, learning how to check in and out of a country on our own boat, tons of new learning experiences, and we've made tons of memories along the way. So we've been trying to kind of reminisce and recap our cruising time so far to try and share some of that with all of you listeners. And we've come up with kind of a random list of things we thought were important to talk about. So here we go. So food availability. We were really privileged and spoiled in Berkeley area to be able to go to Berkeley Bowl and walk into one store and have all of the fresh produce we could ever imagine, um, things that culturally culturally we didn't even know what they were, um, and then amazing meat counter and you know barely even have to go into the center aisles to get packaged food. We've realized that the Mexican culture doesn't eat a lot of greens. Um, we're not really a full-on vegetarian kind of couple, but you know I like my bok choy and I like getting spinach and I like you know making having greens to our salads and smoothies and kale and whatnot, but we haven't really found that, um, especially on the Baja side. And I don't know if it's because of the heat and the transportation and the distances, but we found greens in a semi-Americanized market in Mazatlan last week and in La Cruz. And that's a pretty heavy expat population. So I could see how that, um, that would work. But it's just been really interesting to see, you know, Coming from California, we've been so spoiled with the availability of all these different food types and being able to buy things um, plastic-free, which we're we're really big on the plastic-free lifestyle. Um, And coming down here, it's been quite the challenge to resist just buying everything in plastic. Um, I think things have to travel far enough distances, like Jack said, that um, they try and package them up really, really well. (laughs) Um, And lots of those things don't need to be so packaged. It's taken some restraint on our end to not just buy things because that's what's available, um, but waiting until we can get to a bigger town or find a fresh market that might have more options without all the packaging. It's also opened us up to getting creative with what's available. You eat more seasonally, you get to get creative with, you know, simple ingredients. 
We've been fishing a lot, which has been awesome because we get to catch our own dinner and fish sustainably, which is something we try and do as much as possible. Um, and you know, it really just simplifies your lifestyle in a way that in the States, it's really easy to just buy everything and anything all the time. So it's been, it's been a challenge, but also super rewarding, but yeah, it's just interesting to see the difference in availability and, and preferences of the, the culture and the people here. So leaving San Diego, San Diego was our last stop in the States it was really interesting crossing into Mexico from San Diego because arriving to Ensenada, we really didn't know exactly what to expect in terms of check-in process. Um, there is information online, but it's all kind of hearsay. It's very lenient in a way um, that we've heard some people get asked for specific documents that others didn't. Um, some people had a really hard time checking in specifically um, if your boat has been in Mexico before and they had a tip, which is a temporary import permit um, that lasts 10 years here in, in Mexico, if you had that permit before and the, and the boat wasn't properly checked out of the country when it left, there can be problems with re-entering the country. So we've heard of some, some slight horror stories with that whole situation. Nothing that the immigration workers can't help you with. Um, it's just a lot more extra paperwork and time and probably a couple extra dollars along the way. Um, we only had a slight hiccup with our boat being owned under an LLC, but we were able to figure that out. And within about two and a half hours, we were checked into Mexico and we were able to raise our Mexican flag on the boat and go enjoy Ensenada. But we have uh, coined the term officially unofficial. Uh, there's a lot of, you have to do this, you have to check into this, you have to check out of here, you know, uh, follow these rules. But then when you actually go to follow the rules and do the process, it's kind of like, ah, well, I'm about to close at five, it's 2.30, or it's Friday, or it's some saint's birthday, so we're not open today, or... Don't worry about that. That actually doesn't exist. So I think we also have a super regulated American brain where you need a permit to breathe. You need a permit to make a barbecue. You have to follow all these red tapes to do anything. So down here, it's it's I wouldn't say it's lawless because it's not. But there's definitely a, a gray area of, well, just use your head. And, you know, you can ride that bike down the street without a motorcycle or without a, a, a helmet, but you probably shouldn't, you know, or that four wheeler shouldn't go off of the farm, but it's on the street. Well, you know, use it your own discretion kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, officially unofficial is is definitely how, how we've been operating. <laughs> and it's been really refreshing to walk the streets of these smaller towns and even big cities and seeing the the room for entrepreneurship that this officially unofficial vibe gives these people is, you know, people can say, I want to be a hairdresser and cut hair. And instead of having to, you know, apply for a license to get a 
studio space that's zoned in the proper area for a hair salon and all the things and the insurance and the, you know, all the overhead and the jumping through hoops that, that other countries make you do just to open a tiny little business here, people open up their garage or their living room or the backyard space behind their house and they just make it happen. So you you just walk the streets and you see a furniture store that also sells baked goods out of the front window. And, you know, the, the tiny little taco shop that's operating out of someone's little, like, carport patio. And, and that's just so refreshing and so, so awesome to see because it just opens up so many doors for people that want to follow their dreams and do something to not only put food on the table for their families, but also do something they're excited about. Yeah. It just, it just feels a uh, really um, entrepreneur centered. Uh, everybody's working on something. There's always a, a, a back alley being repaired or a sidewalk being made or, or an addition to a house or a building. It's all, it's funny walking down the, the sidewalks along the street. There's no uniformity to this is, this is the public street. This is a, a common area for a sidewalk. And then this is a private house. Everybody's front porch ends at the street so they can do whatever they want with their sidewalk. So it's really, really interesting to walk around. We have a little roller cart that we use uh, for provisioning, all that kind of stuff. And we haven't used it one time because we would have to pick it up every four feet to get over a curb or through a cobblestone area or or around a cactus. So it's 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 really refreshing how um, independent everybody is. So we have another thing about um, the cruising mentalities of of different groups of people. We have honestly have been struggling pretty hard coming up to our six months of. Mexico cruising, we haven't really found our people and we are kind of let down in a way at the social scene. Um, you know, you always hear about how closely knit the sailor community is and how everybody has each other's back. And that might be true when you reach out and you need help or you need, you know, specific things. But when you're sitting in an anchorage, especially a large anchorage, uh, the amount of times that we've seen people dinging up to random boats and introduce themselves or come up to our boat or vice versa was really slim to none. It was it was kind of like everybody was just sticking in their own little bubble and on their own little path. Um, that mentality changed when we get into the smaller Baja anchorages, you know, when there's only three or four boats and and you venture over and you say hello and, and it and it becomes a, a more of a community. Um, but it's just an interesting little bubble that's ever, that, that most people are in. Um, I don't know how to put my finger on it, but, um, it is very isolated. Yeah. It's been interesting because, you know, we, we lived aboard in San Francisco Bay based in Emeryville for over seven years. And, in that time, you know, we, we had a, a small group of friends and acquaintances and people we knew and saw, you know, regularly in the marina or at the boatyard or at the chandlery that we went to, like, almost every day. <laughs> and so, you know, you kind of have that small group of people that you connect, you check in, you, or you say, oh, hey, we're going to, 
you know, anchor out here or, or there's this thing happening, let's go together or, you know, do you need anything from the Chandlery? I'm going and, and being out here cruising and moving our home to different locations pretty frequently um, it's a lot harder to make those connections and to have that sense of community because you're always moving. So you only see that group of people for maybe a couple days, maybe a week, but then you might see them in a different anchorage, but you don't really know if you will. And, and it might be months in between, you know, we've, we've made quite a few friends through social media, which is an interesting kind of duality because we always talk about social media and sailing as like such like a way to connect and find people that are doing similar things that you're doing. Um, and in a way it, it does create a sense of community being able to chat with other people that are sailing around this same area or they're prepping to sail down. But it's interesting because being so connected on social media also creates this sense of like, why would I need to reach out to them and check in and see how they're actually doing like one-on-one -on -one when I've already seen like what they posted on their Instagram stories today, or I've already seen that they've moved to a different anchorage or they're, you know, exploring a city or whatever. So it's kind of like knowing everything about what people are up to almost hinders our like real life connections, which is kind of interesting because we talk about social media being a way to like bring people together, but in the same breath, it's, it's kind of deafening the, the need to reach out and actually connect with real humans in real life. Um, so we have, I mean, that being said, we have connected with a couple of cruisers through social media initially, and then actually gotten to meet them in real life and shared a couple anchorages with them. And that's been great. And it's nice to see familiar faces every maybe couple months or maybe maybe every anchorage. You never really know because um, everyone's got their own plans and schedules and cruising goals and desires. So it's been an interesting experience. And I think being that we're coming up on our six months of cruising down here in Mexico and almost a year of cruising in general, we've been on the move for long enough that we're starting to feel that like longing for connection and like closer friendships and being able to rely on, on other people around you for support and to just, you know, have that sense of community. So it's kind of an interesting thing to navigate and we're, we're trying to find the, the positives in both sides of it, of having the solitude and the time to think and time to just connect with each other, Jack and I, and be able to be in nature and explore things on our own terms. We don't like to follow other people's rules or schedules, so of course we wouldn't want anyone else to have to do the same. But yeah, it's just an interesting thing to, to observe and experience. Yeah, I mean we're not we're not social butterflies. We weren't going out and and going to to social gatherings all the time when we were on land. Um, but it just kind of rings true that that the sea is a lonely, lonely place. And for some reason, the social media aspect of it has made it feel even emptier and 
and more lonely. Uh, it's it's an interesting thing that we've just battled with the past, I don't know, the past, past few weeks. Um, but it didn't really affect us when we started and went north. We were so on the move and had a goal to, to get somewhere and to... Um, to actually go cruising at that, that we worked so hard for seven years to do, um, that I think that, uh, this feeling that we're feeling now was just kind of being pushed, pushed down the road until it finally caught up with us. So, um, we're not giving up on, on this by any means, but it's just a, a natural feeling that I think we just need to work, work through and, you know, we'll, we'll find our, we'll find our people eventually. And, a you know, if a buddy boat comes around, then a buddy boat comes around, but, I think that everybody's just on their own schedule so much that they have family coming down, they have friends coming to visit, so then they kind of cancel out any opportunity to allow anybody else into their space. You know, it's it's really easy when you're on, at at the dock to say, "Oh, we're going out to to get dinner tonight. Like, you want to come with us?" And instead, it's it's we have family in town and they traveled a long time to get here. So this is their time for us. You know, we can't really let you into our little bubble for an hour or two to get dinner, which we already know you're going to get dinner yourself. So it's kind of a just an interesting thing. I don't know if it's an age thing, if it's a, a cultural thing, if it's, you know, just everybody's so excited and amped about you know finally going cruising and this is their first season. So they're not really letting anybody else in. But, um, yeah, it's just, just a feeling, nothing, nothing too bad or good about it. And it's interesting because we've, we've heard this from other sailors and cruisers that the hardest part about cruising is saying goodbye. And I think it's true, like saying goodbye to cool people you meet along the way that you might only experience a night or two together and get to hang out and you might really connect with them and then you might not see them for months so that's kind of hard. But also you're saying goodbye to the places that you're stopping. You're hoping you might return to some of them. You might not return to others. Um, but it's also just you're you're always on the move to the next thing. So it's interesting to feel like you're, you can't really put roots down anywhere, which is obviously part of the lifestyle is being on the move and nomadic and all that. But um there is there is part of our human brain that wants like the stability or the connection of having having some kind of support network. So it's interesting to to just observe and and understand as we go along. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
So we had an interesting Christmas and New Year's holiday. It was our first holiday season away from family and friends. Um, so we set sail north towards Laredo. And along the way, we had heard about some hot springs that were right on the water near a beautiful anchorage. So we set that as our destination to hopefully get there by New Year's. And it was a great spot when we got there. There was not a soul in sight. We had the whole anchorage to ourselves with beautiful, clear, emerald water. Um, we spent the day snorkeling, trying to spearfish, didn't really spear anything successfully. Um, and then we were just soaking in the hot springs, which was incredible. It made us realize how special it is to have places like this in the world that are so untouched, but yet also so unregulated. Like in, in the States, there are so many beautiful parks and preserves and natural land, but they're so regulated. Like there's, you know, fees to get there and parking lots and certain amount of visitors every day. And it's so like populated and all those like regulations are important to protect those spaces. But in this case, Baja is so remote and so out there. Um, and it was just so refreshing to to be somewhere so beautiful and so serene, but not have any of like the the regulations and the, the rules and and also just seeing like the effects of humans on nature. Um, just to be able to be in nature and not really be affecting it was really awesome. So after that, we went to Agua Verde, um, which is a, a little bay that has three separate uh, locations to anchor in. And we chose uh, one spot that was going to protect us from the prevailing winds. And we went to shore uh, to find the goat cheese that everybody talks about. There's um, a pack of goats that roam the hills and the village um, milks them in the morning and makes goat cheese out of it. Um, so we went and walked around this tiny little town and there's horses walking down the street and there's goats pinned up um, mid-afternoon. And we, and it's, it's, this is like uh, right after New Year's or right before New Year's, somewhere around there. But every, all the kids were on vacation, so it was really quiet. Um, and we walked past this family's hut that was just a little like tin roof attached to a big rock face. And then there was smoke coming out of it. So they had a little wood burning fire and we walked over and, and Sonia speaks fluent Spanish. So we introduced ourselves and, and they opened their doors and or their little gate and welcomed us in. And, and we asked about the, the goat, uh, the goat cheese and they said, Oh yeah, we're actually making it right now. We just milked the goats this morning and, um, and they invited us to their into their little area to show us how they make it. And they had a, um, a handmade crank and a weight system to make the to squeeze all the way out of the goat milk. Um, and, you know, the, the little lady was cooking bunuelos on her open fire, um, you know, grabbing this cast iron with her bare hands. And uh, she was so short and tiny and didn't have any teeth and uh one of the one of the people we were sitting down was like, "Yeah, I'm I'm one of seventeen. This is this is our mom, and she's you know, 
in her 90s or whatever. Um, but it was just so nice to, to walk into this family's area, their private little space, and they were so welcoming and offered us food and told us the goat cheese wasn't ready yet, but if we come back in an hour that they'll they'll sell us some. And it just felt like anything we needed, they would have bent over backwards to get us and make sure that we were comfortable. Um, and luckily before we left California, we went and bought a bunch of um, like used baseball uh, equipment and shirts and socks and, you know, things for, for the Ninos. And we asked them if they you know, had anywhere to play baseball or anything like that. And the guy, one guy perked up. He's like, oh yeah, we actually have a baseball team and we travel to Laredo. And he was showing us pictures of his team that, that they were in a tournament a couple years back and they paused due to COVID. And so he was, he was really excited to get a new baseball glove and we gave him a couple, um, baseballs. And then, um, like we had like a, sm- a couple small bats for the kids so that was really fun. We gave them, a, you know, a pack of kids' socks and that kind of thing. Um, but it was it was really nice how how small and welcoming the that community was. And that wasn't the first time that it that those communities have been small and welcoming. I mean, every every place we've talked to has been so proud of of you know, oh, I've lived here for fifty four years, or oh, I worked at this fish factory when I was fourteen, and you know, they're just as a culture, they're they're really a, a you know proud of their heritage. But very, very kind. Everybody's been very kind. And I think experiencing it as sailors instead of as tourists, like traveling, you get to really show up from a different perspective. Like most of these communities are built right on the water. So there's already like an unspoken understanding of the fact that we're all water people and we all live on the water and rely on on nature to keep us safe and keep us fed and all these things so it's really cool to just see that from a different perspective than just the sailing community but these people that really rely on the ocean and what it gives them as far as the boat goes gemini has done very well we haven't been at a dock um since we checked into the country um so that's that's coming on six months. We will have a dock in the beginning of April for a major uh, chain plate replacement in La Paz. Um, but what I've realized with our water maker, we are able to wash the boat, not as often as I would at the dock, but you know, after a long passage or you know, if quite a few weeks of dirt and grime buildup, it's nice to to clean the boat off and. Um, the stainless is really susceptible to saltwater rust. Um, it's just very salty and pretty harsh. What I'm also realizing is getting your boat with a flashy hull paint job and brand new topside paint and all this kind of stuff. It's kind of a a waste of an investment because I haven't cleaned the hull in six months. Um, you know, I, I don't have a dock to stand at and scrub on nice brand new gel coat or, or topside paint. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm cleaning what we can see and touch, but it's, it's not really like having that big flashy paint job. is kind of a, kind of a waste in my opinion. Um, staying on top of the stainless rust is, is more of, uh, making sure it doesn't deteriorate and, and fail on us. 
um, not just aesthetically shiny and pretty looking. Um, you know, cleaning the Dodger is is key after a passage, but getting the hard chunky salt off without scratching it is is a challenge. And then covering it with a with your Dodger cover is is imperative, not only for uh, protection from the UV rays, but the heat. Um, the, the heat boiling, boiling the inside of that Dodger area and making the cockpit super hot makes your boat really uncomfortable pretty quick. We also spent the time that we were in San Francisco Bay in September. Um, we spent a good week sewing some large um, kind of rectangular pieces of umbrella fabric to make some large shade covers for the boat. And that has been awesome. It's still not very hot here yet. I mean, it is winter time, so we we have had some hot weeks here and there, but um, it's definitely like the cooler season right now. But we know from everyone we talk to that the summer here is very, very hot and sticky, and we are going to want all the shade that we can get. So the shade that we made has already made a huge difference the times that we have put it up. Um, just having the sun off the decks of the boat, getting some shade on the hull whenever you can, it makes a huge difference. So if you're questioning whether or not it's worth it to invest in some kind of shade cover for your boat, do it. We made one panel for the bow that's that hangs over the bow of the boat in front of the mast, and then we have one one rectangular piece for each side of the boom on either side. So that gives us a ton of shade and it'll also give us some rain protection if we need it as well. Besides that, it's been trying to just keep on top of cleanliness. Obviously, when you're living full time and you don't have a dock to be on, like Jack said, it's harder to wash the whole of the boat. We are doing all the under the waterline cleaning ourselves. Um, we desperately need bottom paint, so it's been quite the task to scrub the hole. Um, but just finding a routine for your general maintenance, just giving the interior a good wipe down and, you know, cleaning out your fridge and making sure your drains are cleared out and clean. Um, you know, just all those little things add up when you are living on the boat full time and traveling. It is your home and you want it to be clean and enjoyable and sanitary and all these things. So especially with longer passages, you have to kind of prep beforehand and then you have to expect that when you're going to arrive somewhere, you're going to rest, obviously, because you've been probably sleep deprived for a couple days. But you're also going to want to like, you know, clean all your major areas because you've been on the move and it's harder to do all that when you're on passage. So then these next few months for for us are going to be very heavy on the projects. We have uh, chain plates being replaced in La Paz in a few weeks. And the way this boat was built in the 80s, they fiberglass the chain plates to the hull behind uh, cabinetry on the interior of the boat. So to have that replaced, we need to remove some staving along the walls and some bits of cabinetry and then have fiberglass uh, sanded and grinded away to expose the old stain stainless steel 
And then those pieces, the H pieces, need to be cut out and then remanufactured um, with new stainless. So we're going to rent an apartment in La Paz, move off of the boat, and then mask off all of the non-invasive areas and have a crew down here to complete that really dirty, nasty work. It's going to be one hell of a project that we didn't do it in- intentionally in California because it would have cost an arm and a leg and it would have taken way too long. Um, we have another uh, sister ship that had this same job done by the same guy in La Paz. So we came here specifically for his work. We're very confident that he can knock it out to our to our standard. But the um, chain plates are going to be the first major project that we have hired somebody else to do, which is going to be interesting. I don't know really know how to manage a project like that without micromanaging. So I'm probably going to do some cosmetic work on the boat and kind of stay out of the way, but still keep my uh, self within earshot. And we've heard that it's a good idea to kind of just be around and not just like drop your boat off at a boatyard or someone to work on your boat down here just because you want to keep an eye on how they're doing things and make sure things go smoothly and the way you want them to be done. So we're definitely going to be around and aware and involved, but we also don't want to be just like breathing over the guy's shoulder the whole time. So it'll be interesting because we're used to doing everything ourselves. So it'll be kind of a new experience for us as boat owners and and as boat technicians, since we also do this for a living. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So then uh, we have a major update that we didn't really realize was going to happen last time we spoke to you guys. Um, In Canada, we had our transmission try to fall off again. And this is probably the third time that it's done that. We've had engine issues since week one of owning Gemini, um, even though the motor only had 300 some hours on it. It's just been a royal pain in my butt. Um, We sailed down from Canada with the ratchet strap holding the transmission to the engine block. 
Um, and at that time, I wanted to throw the damn thing overboard. So we are going a completely different route. We're giving up on the diesel propulsion, and we're going to go fully electric. So in May, we have an appointment with a boatyard in San Carlos on the mainland side. Um, and I'll have our engine pulled out with the help of the yard. And then I'm going to install a 27 kilowatt, uh, 48 volt electric motor. Um, I'll be putting in a 30 kilowatt hour lithium iron phosphate battery bank. And we're going to replace our prop with a Bruton's EcoStar, which is an auto pitch adjusting feathering prop. Um, and additionally, we're going to put two more solar panels on. And SunPowered Yachts came out with a higher voltage panel. So we'll have four of their 470 watt panels on board. Um, one will be added to the arch, and then one will be added to the bimini that we have. So it'll, it should be by the book around 1800 watts of solar at 48 volts. And this is been, this has been a huge time suck of, uh, research on my end. It would have been really easy to go with a higher voltage, uh, electric motor, but that gets into a whole charging range of complications and insurance and surveyor challenging. And also that, that voltage range is deadly. Um, so sticking with 48 volts makes it safer, but also brings us into the top end of, of the availability of, of motors for this big, heavy boat. And together with our business spirit marine services, I want to be able to, to convince the, the cruising market that this is a viable option. So we're, we're kind of the guinea pigs for this because there is very, very little actual data on how this works. Um, it's a lot of hearsay and a lot of people stuck in the dinosaur age of burning dinosaur bones um, and fully relying on that tank and that really complicated bit of metal down in the bilge running when you absolutely need it to. My second point of this is what about parts availability is the is one of the major questions I get from people Um trying to nitpick this electric motor thing. And I've realized that any part that you want to get is a challenge. It doesn't matter if it's a pencil, if it's a microwave, if it's a push lawn mower or batteries, double A batteries, getting parts in remote areas is a challenge no matter what. So to my, my answer to that is why not make it as simple as of a system as possible an electric motor is a spinning piece of magnet going inside of a coiled up piece of copper. You know, very, very simple, two moving parts. Um, instead of a diesel motor that has injectors and crankshafts and pistons and all the stuff and belts and gears and water pumps and heat exchangers. I mean, I can go on. I replaced almost everything on this motor, but we are want to be on the, you know, on the bleeding edge of technology and also... Uh, we have changed our sailing style. We have sailed often on the hook more than we ever have. We've done sail changes as as much as we possibly can to to keep us moving without using the motor. And then we've or we've raised our tolerance to how slow we can go. You know, if we get into that one one and a half knot range of boat speed, then we turn the motor on. But up until that point, we sail as long as we can. And it's really interesting because. 
until we decided we were going to go electric and we just kind of committed to that, we are ashamed to say that we used our engine way more than we really needed to. Like, we're sailors, and especially if you're cruising, you should not be in a rush to get anywhere unless you really have to, like, you know, outrun a storm or you're, you know, someone's hurt on board or something like that. But besides that, like, in a normal situation, you should have time to get to the next destination. So... Either you sit at an anchorage for another couple days because there isn't enough wind to sail, or you leave when there's wind and you get to sail even if it means you aren't always going five or six knots. You might be going three knots, but you're still making progress. And and like it's really interesting to see the, the shift that we have experienced just by deciding that we were going electric we have changed the way we sail and the way we look at our motor as an actual auxiliary engine, which is what it's supposed to be. So we use it to get in and out of a fuel dock or to a marina or, you know, navigating a narrow passageway or if there's absolutely no wind, then yeah, we can motor. And even with an electric motor, you can do that. Like people think, oh, well, you don't have any range. And it's like, well, if all you need to do is keep moving forward, then you can motor for many, many hours at a, at a slow speed with an electric motor. No problem. The reality is, is that the actual electric motor, the technology hasn't changed in over 20 years. So what is changing quickly is battery technology and solar technology and other renewable energy sources. So as those technologies get better, we can increase our range, we can use them to our advantage with that same electric motor. So really the more we have broken it down into like logistics and nuts and bolts and and dollars and cents, it is a little bit of an expensive upfront cost, but we won't be buying diesel every month and we won't be relying on all these moving parts and we won't be smelling diesel soot coming out of the back of our boat and we won't be polluting our oceans and all these things. So needless to say, we're super excited. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's it's um, we're going to make a YouTube mini series about it. And I think I have I've built the system that is the most economical path and the simplest, simplest way to do it ever you know it's really easy for somebody to say well why don't you just go with ocean volt and you know but that's a hundred thousand dollars easy and most people don't have that money um so if i can get that money if i can get that cost of maybe just under double what it would cost to replace a diesel with a new diesel then your savings over time you know that's that's somewhere around 50 or 60 phillips on your tank that you'll pay off that motor so I think it's going to be the way of the future, um, but stay tuned. We're going to start this in May, and um, it's going to be one hell of a process. We're going to document every every second for you. If you're interested in following along, we are sharing real-time updates on this whole electric repower and our cruising adventures on our Patreon. Definitely check that out. Um, and if not, we will also be... Like Jack said, we will also be making a full YouTube mini series on the whole repower. 
we're really trying to nail down some numbers and stats and hard information for everyone who feels like there just isn't enough data out there for bigger boats like ours trying to go electric. So yeah, stay tuned. We're super excited for the project and we're excited to share it with all of you guys. Um, definitely if you want to follow along on our cruising adventures and see what we're up to, check out our Instagram at to the horizon, T W O the horizon. And Jax is J legend 37. And Definitely subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's To The Horizon Sailing, T-W-O, The Horizon Sailing. Feel free to reach out if you guys have questions about what we're up to or any comments about what we've shared today, but we're happy to give you guys a little update on what cruising life is like for us down here in the Sea of Cortez. Okay, everyone. Nice chatting with you. Thanks, Annika, for having us once again. We hope you all are having a good day. Adios. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this new type of episode and please let me know what you thought about it and if we should do more of these types of episodes in the future. You can reach me by email at hello at Liverboard Sailing Podcast or come find me on Instagram and Facebook. Also, do check out Sonia and Jack on YouTube, Instagram, and Patreon. I've linked it all below so you can check them out. They put out really great sailing content that shows the lifestyle as it is. Next week, it's back to business as usual with an interview episode. So bye for now.